does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. It's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. We'll get to some calls here in about 15 minutes or so. We'll get to a check down and also we'll talk some Titans football with Jared Stillman. We'll do all of it. We got you to 10 o'clock. I'll give you my uh, Sweeney six-pack of picks. I was 5-1, and one, Sam, my first week. 3-3 three and three last week. 0-3 oh in college. So I think I might just stick with the NFL instead of college football players. Although I might like Oklahoma State tonight. We'll see. That six-pack yeah. will turn into yeah. a real six-pack pretty soon. <laughs> well, yeah. KB brought in another six-pack. He owed Jake Query. Like, dude, KB has brought in probably like 40 beers in two months that this he owed is, this people. This is after Kevin declared, I've never lost a bet. And then he's losing every bet he's that never he won a bet. Sight. Yeah, since I've known him, he's literally never won a bet. So I need to make some sort of sports bet with him oh, yeah. to get a free six-pack. Or would you get some rum? Didn't you get rum? I got rum a couple weeks ago. I've rum got rum chata. I've gotten beer. Yeah, he's stocked my liquor cabinet. Working in our newsroom Damn downstairs, right uh, one of the new journalists <laughs> who just came in. I have been doing a NFL bet with him at least once every week, and I'm currently 0 for 5. I oh, have so, yet to get a so single So he's hustling one right. you. He's a, it's a new guy? He's hustling you? I, I suppose so. Honestly, yeah. I've taken some of the, the, the favorites. I've had it okay. easy, except for whatever reason, Josh Allen throws three <laughs> interceptions first game of the season. <laughs> if you're 0 for 5 and he's new, he's he found his mark, and unfortunately, Sam, it's you. I hate to yes. be the one that tells you. Uh, all right, it's 8 o'clock on a football Friday on The Fan. You know what that means. Greg Rakestraw joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Greg, a very good morning. How how are you, sir? I'm good, losers. How are you guys doing? <laughs> I'm being losers. Well, Mark Mark feels like a winner today. I do. His Chicago Bears moved to one in four on the season, Hell Greg. Yeah. Come on. Congratulations on your first win in 347 days. I know. I finally know what it feels <laughs> like to be an NFL fan in literally any other city. It's nice. I was hoping Mark was going to come back with, now we're not going to get the number one pick or something, no, we, li- or something like that. There's still plenty time for that. Uh, all right. So, Greg, I mean, tons to talk about as we get ready for a big weekend, a big Friday night, a high school football Purdue in action on Saturday. And then, obviously, Sunday uh, is a big one. Some two and two teams get it going at Lucas Oil. I know we played some of the sound. I'm sure you saw it. Jonathan Taylor speaking with the media yesterday. What did you make of that press conference? And then, I guess as a second part, what do you make of the potential on-field ramifications if they can get this guy on the field and combine him with what Zach Moss has done and obviously the running ability of Anthony Richardson? First of all, on the on-field side of things, whatever they get from Jonathan Taylor makes them a better team. Um, If he's fully healthy... Clearly, the offensive line play has been better this year. Obviously, Anthony Richardson in the backfield makes whomever the running back is going to be better because it takes so much of, of, of takes so much focus of the defenders away from just simply the tailback. You got to play kind of the quarterback first. Um, so whether it's five carries the first time he plays, ten, fifteen, however that split occurs with Zach Moss, the Colts are a better football team because Jonathan Taylor is there. And I guess I'll I'll skip over a step and come back to it. Big picture, because obviously so much of the conversation yesterday in reacting to his press conference was, well, he's still noncommittal on on long-term with the Colts or didn't want to talk about his contract status. Uh, What he didn't say obviously spoke volumes. Um, That that long-term, there still is an issue there. Right. That in, in, in the short term, 
this is a marriage of convenience, and that's okay. The Colts can still benefit from this for the next 13 games, and then maybe you're back in the exact same spot. You worry about that in, 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 at the end of January, February, etc. Enjoy the time you've got now because I always felt at the end of the day, even if the long-term relationship was fractured, the way this was going to play out because the way that this best helped Jonathan Taylor was he'd be playing football, as, as, as simple as that. So even if he's not happy long-term, even if he'd still be rather playing someplace else, feels wronged by the Colts, the best thing for him is to play football and to play it well because that way he gets paid by someone, whether it's the Indianapolis Colts, whether it's one of 31 NFL teams, the Colts will still benefit from that. So obviously Jonathan was, it was uh, you know, d- doing maybe some more, some more spinning than he would, you know, running the football uh, <laughs> you know, yes, yesterday at times. It's still a good thing that he's here for the Indianapolis Colts and keep the focus in the short term. If he's healthy for the next 14 weeks, it's a good thing for everybody involved that he's back on the field. If I would have told Greg Rakestraw joins us here on the Fan on a Football Friday, if I would have told you, Greg, after going on the pup uh, and you know maybe, what, two months ago, all the nonsense and drama and back and forth and everything that was happening, that he would be doing a press conference, having a, ch- a chance to come off pup and play the remaining games with the Indianapolis Colts, and maybe you know it doesn't get nasty, he's not traded, et cetera, et cetera. What percentage change? chance did you think yesterday was actually going to happen i'd say a little better than 50 50 again for the reasons i I listed a moment ago even if he's not happy being here even if he's not happy with jim ursay or chris ballard or anybody else in the front office the long-term benefit for jonathan taylor the best way for him to make money in the short window that running backs have to do so in the national football league is by playing and playing well. And so that's why I, I thought that there was not going to be this, you know, prolonged, you know, af- after four weeks in the pup, well, I'm still not ready yet. Right. No, the, 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 the thing that will benefit Jonathan Taylor's family and generations to come is to be back on the field and, and doing what he does looking like the dude that was unstoppable in 2021 and the guy that would make big plays at the end of 2020 and the guy that still got it done in times when everything was stacked against him, uh, maybe from a health standpoint too, in 2022. So I always thought that the end game at some point in time this year would be what I expect to happen, maybe to a limited degree on Sunday and maybe much more as of next Sunday and that's the number 28 lined up next to number five, and all of a sudden the Colts potentially have the most potent rushing attack in the National Football League. Greg Regstraw joining us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Jonathan Taylor was a full participant in practice yesterday, his first practice since December 15th, <laughs> that's unbelievable. 2022. Greg, with that, do you expect him to play on Sunday, and if so, how much? Uh, I do expect him to play. I think it will be limited, um, and I think the Colts are given the luxury – of not having to rush him back because of how well Moss has done, because of obviously how good Anthony Richardson is with the football in his hands, running it out of the backfield. Um, 
let's face it, uh, it, it, it is a new offense, but I don't think it's an overly complex offense. And your job as a running back is pretty simple. Get ball, see, hole, go. Defender comes at you, make him miss. What, whatever the scheme is, see Blitzer, pick him up. Um, the position of the running back is, is pretty similar in, in, in 32 NFL offenses. Um, so I think he'll play. Um, percentage versus Moss, I have no idea. I probably lean towards a bit more snaps from Moss than Taylor. If he gets on a heater, maybe they're not pulling him from the game. Who knows? But I think we will see him play in a limited amount come Sunday. All right, Greg Raystraw joining us. Uh, enough of Jonathan Taylor, but I'm with you. I mean, you put him next to AR and what Zach Moss has done, Greg, and you can get excited about the Colts being elite at something, and that would be running the football. We know Steichen wants to do that. Steichen even said earlier this week, listen, Taylor's been around. He's a smart guy. He knows what we're, you know, he knows the playbook. He knows the scheme. He knows what we're doing. So I'm totally with you. Hope to see him. Expect to see him this weekend in some sort of capacity and then building him up and having that running game uh, really change the the fortunes perhaps of this Colts season. You know, earlier in the week, Greg, we were talking about the rivalry that is the Colts and Titans. And, you know, there's some other teams the Colts have had rivals with and the same thing with Tennessee. But it comes, you know, right back to, you know, the Colts own this uh, rivalry for so long and the last five has went to Tennessee. If I made you fill in the blank, Colts-Titans rivalry is what? What would you say? A rock fight. Two teams that just beat the crap out of each other. Um, because Tennessee has seemingly played a similar style forever in a day. You know, you have rarely said, hey, here comes the wide-open Tennessee Titans. <laughs> right. No, the, 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 the Tennessee Titans, from Eddie George to Chris Johnson to Derrick Henry, while different styles are running back, you know, they have always it, – it has always been, hey, we're going to run the football. Um Vrabel has ensured that there is, you know, very much the element of of almost a smash mouth style on both sides, you know, both offensively and defensively. If you look back at the history of this rivalry, now obviously in the heyday of, of Peyton Manning, where even you know Jeff Fisher's going for onside kicks in the first quarter because he's like, we can't stop these guys. And even though they jumped out to a lead, I think the Colts scored 51 points in that infamous game uh, at the RCA Dome some 15, 20 years ago. Uh, at this juncture, most times the two teams have played, it's the first to 20 is going to win or somebody hangs on for a nail biting 1917 victory. Uh, between the Colts and the Titans. By the way, Greg, 1917 might have been my pick for for this week for this weekend. It's a it's a that, it's a that, score that I kicked around 1917. <laughs> it's, it's just the way that these two teams play. It is. I expect I expect to start the post game show at 3:45 on Sunday. <laughs> right. This game will fly by because right. everybody's going to be like running clock the way that these two teams are both going to run the football. So um, physicality, lunch pail, hard hat. Grinder, I love it. Fight in the phone booth. How's that for for <laughs> as many descriptive phrases as I can use to describe these two just trying to club each other to death on Sunday afternoon? Lunch, lunch pail, Mark is the one. That's right. right. L- lunch pail's my favorite one, Greg. Go ahead, Mark. Thank you. Yes. So, so Greg Rexstraw joining us again on the Pale Slickers Hotline. What gives on Sunday then with this Colts Titans game? Because the Colts haven't won at home in a regular season in almost a full calendar year. The Titans haven't shown up when they're on the road. What gives on Sunday? I do think there is a rejuvenated spark for this Colts team if Jonathan Taylor plays. Um, I, I, I think there's something to that. 
Um, I, I, I think there's something to playing a quarterback that is not to the level of Matthew Stafford. Um, when, when the Colts have historically played kind of a more one-dimensional team, which the Titans really are, again, Tannehill can make some plays. Tannehill's a veteran, but I also think Tannehill is a guy that the Colts can kind of get to, uh, you know, for, for, from a pressure standpoint. Um, I, I tend to like the Colts' chances. By no means do I think this is a blowout, but I, I, I just think there's and, – and it doesn't even relate to how last Sunday played out or, or, or the comeback. Um, I, I think there is almost – and maybe if players don't even know it, I think there's a little bit of weight that's lifted off of them because we can stop asking the Jonathan Taylor questions about this year mm-hmm. if we see him play and, and play well on Sunday. So I, I, I think that – I think just that little bit, nudges the Colts over the Titans on Sunday afternoon. Greg Regstraw with us here on the fan on this football Friday. Uh, I I have not seen this just because it's the morning show. I'm going to do this after the 20-year anniversary mini documentary that's been done uh, on the Bucks-Colts game from 20 years ago. What do you remember about that game and that great comeback? Vividly. um, Doing a a, – I was a radio guy back then. So doing a live pregame show, since it was a Monday night game, uh, from a place called The Pub nice. uh, in, in downtown Indy, and staying there to watch the game because it was actually on opposite game five, I want to say, of A's Red Sox. And the, and the, so I remember that. It was the year after you know, you know, the 2002 A season is like vividly remember because that's the Moneyball year when mm-hmm. the movie was made based on that mm-hmm. the year after that. Okay. Um, but but anyway, I remember just sitting there watching it at 35-14. I don't know if I, I don't remember if I headed home like at halftime or, or third quarter or or something along those lines. But I remember watching it at home and literally it being such a result that you started calling people and going, were you watching that? Or did, 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 did you just see that? I, I, someplace I have got a copy of the Cincinnati newspaper. And I would assume this was the case for pl- most places other than Indianapolis. They had already like printed a, printed a blurb, not a full story, but like a blurb, Hey, Colts fall two bucks on Monday Night Football. <laughs> right. They, they, they had to go to they had to go to press. Oh man! Uh, I remember that was back in the day where, and I'm sure it still happens now. Uh, it, it does on Sports Center, but like in those days of ESPN News, they would carry like the full length press conferences. And so when like the Colts are on the road, you know, that's the first place you would go to kind of get that press conference audio. Was there? I remember being locked into ESPN News for like two hours. Just watching this thing get rehashed over and over again. It was an amazing night to be a Colts fan. Greg Regstraw with us just for a couple more minutes. Greg, I have two more questions. Feel free to answer these in any order you want. The high school slate tonight, we've got Brownsbury and Noblesville on our air starting at 7, so I want to know what you've get, what game you've got. And I also want to know if you're headed to WWE Fastlane down at the Fieldhouse this Saturday, Ooh. being an avid wrestling fan that you are. Ooh, okay. I am not going to Fastlane. Um, I'm on dad duty tomorrow night. Uh, wife and daughter are heading out to Colorado for some time in fall break, so me and the dude are batching it. So we're just chilling at the house tomorrow night, so no Fastlane for me. Um, but in terms of, of game for me tonight, Warren Central and Center Grove, and this is the rare matchup of these two teams where neither team is ranked. Warren comes in at three and four. Carmel is at four and three. 
I expect uh, a very similar game in the offensive style of Colts-Titans on Sunday uh, to Warriors and Greyhounds tonight at, at Carmel Stadium. You can see that game on ISC and, and, and my Indy TV 23. I think that one might be a quick one as well, not because we're running clock, because you've got two teams going to want to control the line of scrimmage and run the football in that game tonight. Rock fight on Friday Night Lights. Got to love it, right? I, well, then on Saturday as well, I think I'm going to change my score, maybe 22-17, and we'll see who I pick to be the winner there between the Colts and the Titans. Greg, appreciate it every Friday. Uh, have a fantastic uh, weekend with the with the boy, and we'll be obviously listening Saturday morning and then after the game on Sunday. Thank you so much. You got it, fellas. Take care. Ah, yes, the rejoin with the pregnant pause. We all appreciate that. Hanging out in the drivehubler.com studios, KB and Andy. KB off to Arizona, not telling anyone where he's going, just secretly getting away. Like, I don't know. Like, we could have talked about it on the air. Uh, Mark Dykton yeah, hanging like, you're out. you're going to Sedona? Where are you going? Yeah, he like, told what me the hell, Scottsdale. Man? Scottsdale. Is he yeah. playing golf? What's he I, doing? I, 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 I bet he is. Him. He took his clubs with him. Sam Fritz producing today. Appreciate Greg Rakes for all joining us earlier in the show. Matt Taylor, voice of the Indianapolis Colts, uh, will join us coming up at 9 o'clock. And uh, we'll keep taking some phone calls as we go. We'll get to a Sweeney six-pack, and uh, we'll tell you we all have the same kind of score for the Colts and Titans. 1917. It's a matter if you think Indy's going to win or if the Titans are going to come in here uh, and get their, what, sixth straight victory in this mm-hmm. series. Uh, let's get my guy Jared Stillman up. 1025 the game there in Nashville to get the thoughts of uh, the Titan fan there in Nashville. Jared, good morning, sir. How are you, man? I'm good, Sweeney. How are you? Uh, Man, we are fantastic. Uh, I was watching, listening to some of your show over the last couple days, and you had been gushing uh, over your love and affection for Anthony Richardson and how you're not happy that the Colts got him and you wish the Titans could have potentially moved up uh, and got him. In fact, I think you said, Jared, you would have taken him over Bryce Young, number one overall. What makes you like AR so much? So, I mean, what happened was last year, you know, the Titans, the Tannehill, it's kind of been a thing where they like Tannehill, but they're always looking towards the future to see maybe if they could, uh, you know, pull the Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> right. And one night I woke up in the middle of the night. You know, now I'm, I'm 30. I turned 34 last week, so now I'm an old man. And uh, I woke up one morning in, like, February of last year with, like, a stiff neck. <laughs> And I, I had seen, like, all the, you know, stats on Anthony Richardson about how, you know, Florida was 6-7 and seven last year, and he completed 50-something percent of his passes. And I'm sitting there with this stiff neck, and I'm just like, I can't sleep. So I'm like, you know what, I'm going to watch, you know, this Anthony Richardson, you know, tape, see if he's any good. And I watched it, and I'm like, oh, my God, this guy, he's he's amazing. I mean, he is physically maybe the most talented player in the NFL. And not only that, like when I watch Anthony Richardson play, first of all, I think Anthony Richardson, and I'm not, in, you know, you guys know more about Anthony Richardson than I do, but when I watch him play, he's probably further along this year than I thought he would be. I agree. Because he he was not ready for right. the NFL when he was drafted. In fact, if, if I were the coach, if I were the coach, I or if I, you know, were Jim Ursay, I, I would have said after drafting him at four, I would have gone downstairs and said, hey, Gardner Minshew's our starting quarterback. And I would have sat Anthony Richardson on the bench. I would have given him a redshirt year, but that's a different discussion for a different day. I just, when I watch him play, I see so 
many other guys at one time. Like, I, I see some Josh Allen. I see some Cam Newton. I see some Derrick Henry, you know, when it comes to the size and the speed when he gets going. Um, I see, like, different quarterbacks. And, and Indianapolis with Anthony Richardson, I, I, as a Titan fan, you know, when they drafted Richardson, I thought it was a total smokescreen with how much ESPN was reporting leading up to the draft that the Colts liked Will Levis. Right, right. I'm like, if you like Will Levis so much, the last thing you're going to do is tell anybody about it. In fact, if you like Will Levis so much, chances are you probably like the other guy. So when they drafted Richardson, my heart broke in about a thousand pieces, knowing that it may end up like, and he's still got a ways to go, but it may end up like uh, all the years of having to look up to Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. That's how I would have taken Anthony. If I was a general manager, I would have risked my career on taking Anthony Richardson with the number one overall pick. I think he has that kind of talent. And I just think that he needs to be coached right. And he needs to be put up in an opportunity to have success. And with the Colts, my opinion of it is that, you know, we'll see. I think he's got a good coach. But, but man, Richardson, he's got so much talent. Jared Stillman with us there in Nashville. 1025 The Game joins us on the Pay Less Liquors Hotline. I said last segment, I I guess – I don't know. Maybe I answer my own question, Jared. I go, well, what what are the Titans? I can't figure them out. You know, they have a they have a close win, a close loss, a, bo- a blowout win, a blowout loss. They, they can't win away from home. But, you know, I kind of think maybe they win on Saturday or on Sunday, but something's got to give. The Colts also don't win at home. Uh, it's seven straight there as well. What are the Titans right now? How, how would you categorize them as one of these jumbled teams that are two and two in the, uh, in the NFL this season? Well, I mean, I think the Titans, unlike maybe a lot of the other two and two teams, the Titans are a consistent two and two from the standpoint that the things that have been the issues in these games, for the most part, have been continuous issues. It's not like, you know, well, one game the quarterback played great, and then one game the running back. I mean, you know, Tannehill was, in my opinion, Tannehill had a tough first game, I think, in large part because he got hit early and because. He didn't play in the preseason, and I think there was some serious rust there. But Tannehill's been good for the first three games. Derrick Henry's still Derrick Henry. The Titans' offensive line's not very good. Um, You know, the defense gives up too many big plays. The reason that they didn't give up any big plays against Cincinnati was because Joe Burrow's on one leg, Mm -hmm. and I think like 30%. So, I mean, I I thought the Titans had a horrendous game plan going into Cleveland, where uh, Cleveland has truly an elite defense. Like I know, like we laugh at them because they're Cleveland and Deshaun Watson, you know, stinks. And but I mean, Cleveland has a legitimately elite defense, and they've got great players, and they've got a great defensive coordinator in Jim Schwartz. So the Titans went in there and thought that they were gonna, you know, play their game against the Cleveland Browns, and that was never going to work. So that was doomed from the start. But I think the other thing too is guys are starting to carve out roles on the team. And that is a positive sign for the Titans. You know, Chris Moore, who they signed from Houston in the offseason for about a million bucks, he's really carved out a role as kind of their deep threat wide receiver. Had a big bomb against uh, the Chargers, had a big one against uh, the, the Browns on a fourth down, had a big one last week right before the half against Cincinnati. He's kind of their deep threat guy. Nick Westbrook Akine is kind of Ryan Tannehill's trusted guy. And I think the chemistry between Tannehill and DeAndre Hopkins is improving significantly, and DeAndre is still, you know, the making incredible catches by gyrating his body in some unbelievable way of DeAndre Hopkins. The problem with the Titans 
is they give up too many big plays on defense. Hmm. I mean, right. they've got a good defense. They're great against the run. They get after the quarterback. But then all of a sudden, they just let a wide receiver run right by him, and the guy picks up 75 yards on, the, on a play. I, you know, the, the one big play guy, I'm, you know, that the, I think the Titans should be worried about, and the Titans kind of made this abundantly clear with their comments, the guy they're worried about making a big play on them is Richardson. Like, that, they're worried about Richardson getting out and, you know, busting off a 62-yard touchdown run, and I would be too. But, I mean, that, if you're going to beat the Titans, it's going to be a close game. And it's going to be, you know, three big plays on defense that they give up. And, you know, either the Titans don't block the Colts front or, you know, Tannehill throws an interception or something. But, I mean, I I really think that if the Titans have a big weakness that nobody really talks about, it's how many big plays they give up on defense. Jared Stillman of 102.5 The Game in Nashville joining us right now on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Jared, what's the vibe in Nashville with Titans fans when when the Colts come up on the schedule these days? Obviously, in the Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck days, the pendulum was kind of on the Colts' side. Now, the pendulum is on the Titans' side, 5-0 in the last five meetings. What's the vibe there in Nashville? Yeah, I mean, Indy, like, the Colts are a weird team, like from like a fan standpoint or a rivalry standpoint or, you know, for so many years. And people forget that the Titans kind of Colts of this era really started in 99 when the Titans went into the RCA Dome and won the divisional round of the playoffs the week after the Music City Miracle. But then, you know, after the first couple of years, Titans won the division in the AFC South the first year. You know, Peyton Manning really dominated the division for, you know, 12 years or whatever it was. Then Andrew Luck comes in. And he's dominating the division. And the Titans had some just horrific teams over those years. So, you know, it was just a constant always getting beaten by the Colts. But it made sense because of who they had at quarterback. I think, you know, like, I can't speak for every Titans fan. But I would be embarrassed if the Titans lose on Sunday. Like, the Colts are – the Colts kind of – and I I say this respectfully, but – the Colts are kind of a bozo franchise. And I think what happens is with the Colts, from my perspective, the outside looking in, is they got incredibly lucky because they had like a lot of really smart people in Peyton Manning, Bill Pulley, and Tony Dungy that kind of really ran that organization. And when those guys weren't there anymore and Ursay was kind of, you know, left to his own accord – it just feels like it's one bad move after another. And that's the, you know, when they drafted Anthony Richardson, who I think we can all agree still has a, a long way to go to becoming a really great player, I'm like, you know, the one saving grace of this might be that the Colts screw him up. And I, I feel like, you know, the Colts have got to spend more money. I think that's kind of something that never gets taught. Every year they go into the offseason, the Colts have. $83 million in cap space, which the cap's fake anyways if you want to spend cash, but $83 million in cap space, and then they never go out and sign any good free agents. And I don't understand how that happens. Um, but I think that, like, I think that, you know, kind of look at the Colts like, yeah, you know, they got a couple of good players, and it feels also like the Colts are kind of overrated every year going into the season. And I think Titan fans get really mad about that because the Titans are always kind of a team that everybody picks to finish third every year. Everybody picks the Titans to go 6-11 and 11 every year and finish third. And I think Titan fans get really upset about that because they see, you know, Carson Wentz get traded to the Colts and the national media just gushes about, oh, Carson Wentz or Matt Ryan last year. And so I think it angers a lot of people. But, I mean, you know, like I said, I, I think the perception here is 
instead of looking up to the Colts with incredible envy, I think now it's kind of looking down to the Colts. Well, with, do you want to ask your Ryan Tannehill question then that you've been posing all week? Oh, uh, well, I mean, I listen, Ryan. Well, I mean, I was going to, you know, listen. I think there's a, a couple things. I, I think, I think the battle over Chris Ballard here is, and, and it's an absolute one. Uh, Jared is, you know. Uh, you know, rebuilding, okay, it's year seven. Why are we rebuilding, right? I think there's a lot of that. And I, I think the reason I have optimism, confidence, whatever it may be, is Shane Steichen. I, I think Steichen is a pretty good coach. I do feel that way. Now, it's been four games, and his team was not ready to play against the Rams. They got down 23 nothing at home, uh, and that does not need to happen and should not happen uh, here. I guess two-parter, and we'll get you out of here. Jared Stillman with us, 102.5 The Game there in Nashville. Ryan Tannehill seems washed. You know, is he washed? And it just seems like Willis and Levis, those guys aren't even ready to play, you know, remotely ready to play. And then what do you make of, you know, just the AFC South, the Texans kind of bouncing back the last couple weeks and everyone just sitting there at two and two? Okay, so I'll answer the first part first on the Tannehill thing. I think Tannehill's fine. I think he's the same Tannehill that he's always been, which is if you have a good infrastructure around Ryan Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill will be a very successful quarterback. So if he's got Derrick Henry and he's got A.J. Brown and he had Corey Davis in a contract year and Arthur Smith, who's a great offensive coordinator, Tannehill, you know, is operating the second-best offense in the NFL, and he's capable of that. Uh, I think if, you know, they do what they did where they go to Cleveland and they have this discount offensive line that they have in front of them and they try to single up, you know, Andre Dillard, who might be the worst left tackle in the NFL on Miles Garrett, then they're going to lose. And they've done a lot of that, you know. I, I mean, the the trade of AJ Brown and I, yeah, I know, with it, but the trade of AJ Brown has just absolutely been one of the worst decisions I think the Titans have ever made. Well, it got a general manager fired, right? I mean, John Robinson got fired because of it, did he not? Well, he also had some really bad first round picks, and I, I also don't think he should have been fired. But uh, yes, long story <laughs> short, yeah, he got fired over the AJ Brown trade. Here's the thing about Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill. The same Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill that, that led the Titans to the AFC Championship game, the same Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill that won the division two years in a row and had like a 95% chance of winning the division for a third straight year when the owner fired the general manager in the middle of the season and Tannehill got hurt, they're the same guys. Like the same guys that have beaten the Colts for all these years over and over. It's the same Tannehill, it's the same Henry, and it's what's around them that matters the most. I think Tannehill is the definition of a symptom, not a cause. When he plays well, it's because, you know, he was great on Sunday against Cincinnati. And I've been saying, it's amazing what happens when they block for him, when they catch for him, when they, you know, play defense. for Like, Tannehill is decent. So I don't have a problem with him. Willis is going to be a backup. He's not a, you know, ever a starter. Levis, I think, is getting a redshirt year. Like, hey, at the bench this year he's got a lot of talent your point on the AFC South I've watched all the tape I think right now the Texans are the best team in the division and I think the Titans you know on their good days are probably the best but on their bad days are not I I think Indy's probably a a six or seven win football team that is going to come close in a lot of these games because their defense doesn't give up big plays and it'll be really exciting because Anthony Richardson makes like one or two Superman plays every game and right now Jacksonville's awful I agree I agree yeah Jacksonville's one of the stories of the season to me I mean some people had him in the AFC championship game (laughs) 
so that's the other thing that I think drives Titan fans crazy is that over the last five years or so in the AFC South, the Titans have been the best team in the division. And every time the Titans come up on like a national perspective, there's this whole like, oh, can't win with a running back. And it, it drives me crazy. I don't want to speak for other Titan fans because Derrick Henry and Josh Allen, like the Titans and the Bills have gotten to the exact same, you know, distance over the last five or six years, right? They both made it to an AFC championship game. They both got knocked out in the divisional round. They both lost a wild card round. And yet every time the Bills lose, it's never can't win with Josh Allen. And every time the Titans lose, it's can't win with a running back. Whereas Trevor Lawrence is a game manager. I don't see like the superstar talent that everybody gushes about just because he won the national championship as a true freshman and crushed Alabama. I, I don't see that like superstar talent. Everybody starts telling me he's going to be the next Joe Burrow. He comes out, he looks terrible, and everybody just ignores it and forgets the fact that they spent all offseason pumping his tires, which happened the year before with Matt Ryan going to the Colts. And I think that that is something that angers Titan fans because Derrick Henry is running the football. Like, he just passed Earl freaking Campbell <laughs> on the franchise like list of running backs. And every time that the Titans come up, it's like, oh, well, you, you can't win with the running back. I have, one, I have one last more. Okay, one yeah, Jared. quickly. Uh, Jared Stillman, real quick, 102.5 of the game in Nashville. Uh, any chance you or anyone else at your station heading to London next week for Ravens-Titans? So I went to London five years ago when they played the Chargers. And I looked at that as like, a, if they ever go to London, I'm going to go. And I went, and I had a great time. My dad and I went as fans. We had a great time. It's not something that I would, like, I don't need to do it again. Hmm. Um but it is a it is a fun trip. Yeah, I'd like, like to it go. It is a, a good trip. And the only thing that bothers me, you know, if you want something from the NFL, you have to do a favor for the NFL. So whether that's hard knocks or whether that's, um, you know, going to London, going on these trips, you know, things like that, that teams really don't want to do, you got to do those things for the NFL. You know, the Colts, for instance, hosted hard knocks in the middle of the season a couple of years ago. And I think that's probably directly related to keeping the combine in Indianapolis. So you want something from the league. You got to do something for the league. So the Titans are getting a new stadium built. So now they're going to London. <laughs> and I can't wait. I cannot wait until they tell Vrabel he's got to do hard knocks. He's going to lose his mind. But, I can't wait. <laughs> but I, I would say that when it comes to, like, all of these, like, doing favors and stuff for the NFL, going to London is – Honestly, like it's a it's a pretty fun trip, but uh, no, nobody from the uh, station is going. <laughs> Boy, it's an expensive. I trip. was about to say, yeah, it's uh, it, it ain't cheap. There's no doubt. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I don't know about the Colts schedule, but like the Titans don't have a lot of good home games on the schedule this year, and so like Lamar Jackson, like that's a good home. That's a good people want to go to. I know. And, now it's getting taken off the schedule. Jared, my friend, good talking to you, my man. Uh, enjoy the games on Saturday and Sunday. We'll talk down the road. Thank you so much. Yep, thanks for having me, Sweeney. All right, Jared Stillman with us there, Talking Titans. We're way late for a break. On the other end, we'll have a couple minutes. Who wants an apology in the yes, An apology in the NFL. We'll tell you next on The Fan on a Friday. 
All right, one more hour to go. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, going to join us here in just a second. Listen, I know, and we'll get back into it. We have a pop quiz coming up at the bottom of the hour. We'll get to our picks and everything else coming up here in about 40, 45 minutes. Uh, you know, as we talk on the phone, we get Matt Taylor uh, on here in just a second. I mean, to me, uh, listen, there has been so much about, you know, the back and forth with JT and the organization and the injury and the agent and everything else, and, uh, and I understand it. We took some calls earlier, and people just want to see him run the football. I mean, there is a chance here, man. You get JT back, and you get him rolling. Uh, Anthony Richardson, the way that he can run the football as well. Zach Moss has been, I think, damn good in the early, you know, first month of the season, coming off that arm injury. I mean, there's a chance here Indianapolis becomes one of those better running teams uh, in the entire NFL. I used it. You want to try to be elite at something? I think there's absolutely a chance here. You got to get JD rolling that that is uh, that that's something that we could be looking at as we progress into this cold season is the fact that Indy you know could be an elite defense or elite defense elite running game uh, and I think that's right on the precipice as we wait and see what's going to happen with Jonathan Taylor. All right, let's get Matt Taylor on. Mate joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline, joins us every football Friday in the 9 o'clock hour. Matt, good afternoon, or good morning, I should say. How are you, sir? What's... Man, get this, guy, get this guy a calendar. What are we doing here? <laughs> Goodness. I wish it were the afternoon. We'll get there uh, quick enough. Not that it's I'm doing anything. It's sleep deprivation from little gas. Yeah, li- little gas has been pretty good, man. I Not going wood I, I can't be complaining he wakes up about one time a night otherwise my man is sleeping oh right God. yeah i mean right now again knock on wood it i'm ain't sure last and i keep telling uh, him that, that that'll be the last uh that'll be the last time i brag about him when it comes to sleep uh the jonathan taylor stuff i, I just said there may before we got you on I, I mean there's a chance here uh with ar and zach moss doing what he's done and then you throw in obviously the greatness of jonathan taylor and that raw talent that he has that the Colts could be sitting there with uh, an elite running game. We know what Shane Steichen wants to do. That's got to be exciting for Colts fans. Yeah, I mean, there would, there would at the very least be absolutely no drop-off. There would be no drop-off with whomever's in the game. And I've said it all along. I mean, listen, I, mean, I know Jonathan Taylor hasn't practiced a ton, and you know he's missed a lot of time dating back to last December, but he's the type of player, uh, when he's healthy, and when he's in the right conditioning, which I think both things are true right now, coming off PUP, uh, he's just a special type of guy. And I think he's had his nose in the playbook dating back to the spring when he was here, you know, with the team during OTAs in the mini camp. He was with the team, you know, mentally in mm-hmm. meetings, uh, position group meetings uh, back in the summertime at, at Grand Park and training camp. I, I, I think that's going to be a little bit overblown. I, I think he's mentally ready to go and if you know if, if yesterday went well from a practice standpoint and today goes well from a standpoint, you know me personally, I don't have any reservations putting them out there. Agreed. You know what the workload would be, I don't know, but it's just exciting the potential of Anthony Richardson and Jonathan Taylor in the same backfield, and when and when Taylor needs a spell, you know potentially how much you know whatever that amounts to coming up on Sunday, if indeed that's the case, you got Zach Moss in there who is just routinely. I heard what you said before I came on. I, I totally agree with you. He's over four yards per carry. He's keeping the Colts on schedule on first and second down when they run the ball. Uh, he's making people miss. He's running hard, yards after contact, all of that stuff. There would just be no drop-off in the running game, and I think that running game could be pretty elite 
schematically and then from a production standpoint with all three of those guys running the ball for the Colts. Matt Taylor with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Do you have a, you know, if Jonathan Taylor, uh, either if he checks into the game, I don't know if he starts. I mean, we'll see how all this, fig, you know, how it gets figured out if he does play, obviously, on Sunday. But if he does, uh, do you have a welcome back? Have you already thought of potentially a touchdown call if Taylor were, were to get in the end zone? Do you think about those things? It's a nerdy broadcasting question, I guess, Matt. Uh, no, no. It's, well, I mean, it's it's a good question. I, no, I I haven't. Perhaps I should, but you know, I mean, I'll 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 do the setup in terms of you know, if Taylor steps on the field, you know, you you do the setup on you know what 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 he's been through and you know how many days it's been since he's been on the field and all that stuff. But from a touchdown call, you know, I don't I don't try to work too much of that. You know, it's it's the the I hate people. You know, people are gonna hate this answer, but. <laughs> You know, the, the best calls are just you know, the organic. ones that happen, that yeah. come naturally, that fly out organically. Um, but, yeah, you know, you'll, you'll have to set it up when he's out on the field for the first time in a long time just to give the audience that's tuning in that day, you know, some context on what he's been through and, you know, all the stuff that's happened off the field and, and how good it's going to be to get him back on the field and the production that he had during that insane 2021 season you know, the last time he was fully healthy in a Colts uniform. What do you think the fan reaction is on Sunday if he's in the game? Yeah. What do you think the fan reaction is? I think he'll be good because I think he'll come in and get yards. <laughs> That's what I think. Well, I mean, I think naturally there's going to be, you know, there's, I mean, I think Colts fans are really, really smart. So you're going to have, just like most fan bases, you're, you're going to have a, a section of the stadium that's just incredibly happy to see him because of, you know, the fact for the time being, anyways, he's, he's wearing a Colts uniform, right? He's wearing that blue and white, and he plays for your team. And he's one of the best players in the NFL. So you're going to be excited about, you know, just the production that you could see uh, whenever he steps back on the field, whether that's this week or next week or the week after. Um, there's going to be a section of the fan base that is sort of like lukewarm to it, and there's going to be a section of the fan base that, you know, is like, all right, well, you know, let's, let, let's see you back it up and let's see – uh, you know, you you play well after all the off the field stuff that has happened in the last month and a half or so. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think when he runs out of the field, uh, whenever that happens, I think it's going to be kind of a melting pot of emotions. Um, considering you know the the on the field versus the off the field, all will be forgiven as soon as he rips off a chunk play of like twenty yards. You're damn right. It'll be all cheers at that point. Matt Taylor joining us, voice of the Colts on the Payless Liquors Hotline on the wake-up call in 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Matt, sounds like you do expect Jonathan Taylor to play. How much do you expect him to play on Sunday? Well, I don't I don't know if I expect him to play. I think at this point it's still 50-50. I'm just saying, you know, if, if Taylor checks all those boxes, you know, if I, if I hypothetically was in charge, which thank God I'm not, but I, I wouldn't have any reservations putting him out there. Right. Um, and I also just wouldn't downplay just how special he is. So if, if he's ready to go, I, I would keep it simple. If he's ready to play, he's ready to play. And I wouldn't have him out there as a pitch count, you know, if, if indeed he is ready to play and hypothetically, you know, he's 100% healthy and all of that stuff and you feel comfortable trusting him mentally within the playbook. So, uh, again, I'm, I'm keeping it simple. If, if he's ready to go, He's got to be ready to go. I can't have any limitations with the guy that I'm trusting to run the ball either five times or, or 25 times, if, 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 you, if you get catch my drift on what I'm trying to mm-hmm. say there. So, you know, it's, it's either all or nothing, in my opinion, with Jonathan Taylor. You know, like a Ricky Bobby, you know, if you're, if you're not first, you're last. That would be my approach with Jonathan Taylor whenever he steps back on the field. 
since you're prepping for the Titans, I'm sure you've been doing some research as far as their season to this point. They've been really good at home. They've been really bad on the road. What have you noticed in the difference between the struggles of the Titans on the home and road slate? Yeah, it's just, I mean, their their splits home versus road are just, they're, they're astronomical. I mean, I've never really seen anything like it. They are truly an enigma right now. And I think the unfortunate part is, is that I think they may have found themselves last Sunday. You know, they, they just blasted Cincinnati 27-3. to They were blasted 27-3 to the week before by the same score uh, by the Browns. And, I mean, I, don't, I really don't think it's hyperbole. You know, since Mike Vrabel has been there since 2018, last Sunday might have been the best just overall performance they've had, just in terms of domination, looking good, giving the opposition, you know, no breathing room or no life uh, at any point in that game. I mean, the, 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 the Bengals didn't have their first third down conversion until the fourth quarter. And they, didn't have a, they only had one red zone drive for the entire game, and that came in the first quarter. Um, it was just really, really dominant uh, performance there by the Tennessee Titans. And I, I just encourage people, you know, I, I think you should do this every week just as a, a shameless plug. But really this week, if you want to know who the Tennessee Titans are and you want to know why they've been sort of Jekyll and Hyde, I encourage people, check out our podcast. We do. It comes out every Wednesday, Inside Football with Rick Venturi. Rick gives you about a 45-minute podcast breakdown on just why the, the, the Titans have been so screwy so far this season. And <laughs> it's a great word it, it, for it. That is a great yeah. word, Matt, for what they are. They're just a screwy team right now. They can win close, lose close, win big, or lose to the Browns by, you know, two, like three touchdowns or something. That's you know? just it. And, and, to, and to steal a line from Rick during the podcast, he's so right about this, and I totally agree. The Titans are such a different team when they play from advantage, right? When they can get ahead early on the scoreboard – and they can get uh, Derrick Henry involved, and they can exert their uh, cultural identity, which is toughness Mm -hmm. and physicality and grit. When they can exert that on you, they are a totally different team. So when they play from advantage, you know, the play-action pass, you know, when they are afforded the ability to give Derrick Henry 20, 25 carries per game, they are just a much different team as compared to getting off to a slow start. When you get off to a fast start and putting them behind – uh, early down by two scores. So that, that's, that's the biggest thing in this game is the Colts so far this year, they have been outscored by 21 points in the first quarter. Now, obviously, a lot had to, you know, a lot of that is, is uh, last Sunday getting down early to the, uh, to the Rams, but you just have to get off to a good start in this game. That's number one. Number two is, and, and today is big for it, where is the fourth Buckner? Because not having Buckner in the lineup on a full-time basis last week, he only played 20 snaps, uh, it, it really kind of hurt the Colts trying to stop the run against the Rams. L.A. really not known for their rushing ability, at least so far this season, and they ran for a buck 64 on the Colts. That was really, really hard to stop them without Grover Stewart. Stewart was banged up a little bit. He was out there, but he just wasn't 100%. And then Buckner was on a major, major pitch count last week. I'm going to be watching that because anytime you've got one of the best rushing teams and maybe the best rusher coming to town, that's that's so big to have your your two stud defensive tackles intact. So that's really really important, and I, I just I think this is going to be the most physical game the Colts play all year. It's a home game. Tennessee has owned the series here as of late. They've won five straight games against the Colts. 
you just can't let you can't afford to, to let them get going early with Derrick Henry. And, you know, Henry is he's got 38 you know 100 yard rushing games, and uh, they are 30 and eight when he goes over 100 yards. And he's been over 100 yards you know six of the last seven games against the Indianapolis Colts. So it's just I mean I hate to keep it that simple, but it is that simple. A good start. Yeah, it is. Stop Derrick Henry early and often, and make them be a different team in terms of scheme and dynamic, uh, that, that's been their recipe for success when they have won two games so far this season. Matt Taylor with us here on the Fan Football Friday Pay Less Liquors Hotline. You know, I was going to ask you, I'm kind of split here on what to ask you, Mayte, because I was going to ask you about that rivalry between the Colts and uh, and Titans. Yeah, I was going to have you fill in the blank, so I'll have you think about that. Colts and Titans rivalry is is what? I think Rake Straw said it's a rock fight. I think rock he fight. said yep. that uh, earlier in the 8 o'clock hour, but you mentioned the fast start. I, I was surprised at how bad that first half was for the Colts getting down 23 nothing. I mean, it was a valiant effort to come back, and ultimately in the end, I kind of sat there kind of drained thinking, damn, I mean, the Colts should have won that game. Puka Nakua is still running around somewhere in a secondary wide open. But I'm just interested, whether it be on air or during the breaks that you guys have uh, on radio, what's you know what kind of coach, what's coach saying when you're down 23 nothing? It seemed like the Colts just started out so bad last week, which is so surprising yeah I wish we had like a camera on us during the break or had like a separate (laughs) broadcast feed for just the the commentary during the break especially from Rick because you know he lays it all out there he he pours his heart and soul into the podcast and the blueprints every week I mean he approaches this job you know the the radio analyst position just like he was a, a coach so he he game he game plans and he pours over the film and he's got the must-dos to win. And when, when those things don't happen, he gets so frustrated because, <laughs> you know, he sees the game like a coach, and it's just like it's it's not hard. All we have to do is, you know, stop the run or be better on the edge or have a better game plan for the opposition's, you know, top receiver that have given the Colts troubles here in the first couple of games of the season. Um, but, you know, you talk about the rivalry and, it, it, you know, how to define it right now. I think, unfortunately – you know, it's 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 tough to say this, but you know the 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 Titans have backed the Colts into a corner and have here recently labeled them as as the little brother in this series. I don't I don't think there's any way you can dis- dispute that with you know five straight wins against Indianapolis, four straight wins against the Colts at Lucas Oil Stadium. Um, you know, if if I looked it up last night, actually, if if the Colts if they drop this game on Sunday, it'll be the longest home losing streak to a team in the AFC South ever uh, since the division was formed in 2002. And so you're just trying to get back to the, to the winning ways against Tennessee. Prior to this five-game losing streak, the Colts won 19 of 22 games against Tennessee. Um, and you look at this, this five-game losing streak, too, and you got to tip your cap to Tennessee, right? You can't take anything away from them. Uh, they, they totally have won these games, and they have at times – been the more physical team and the, the team that's better in crunch time against the Colts. There's no doubt about that, right? Don't don't uh, confuse what I'm about to say. But that being said, during this five-game losing streak to Tennessee, the Colts have turned it over ten times. Wow! They played they played Tennessee three consecutive games with three turnovers on offense. So you're trying to beat Tennessee, but the Colts are you know they're having to beat themselves as well or overcome their mistakes. So just don't turn it over, play better up front, be the more physical team, and I think you should be okay. I mean, I think 
you know, Tennessee's roster isn't just going to – it's not going to wow you with – I know they got Henry, I know they got Hopkins, and Tannehill's still pretty good. Their front seven's solid. But it's not like they're just littered with Pro Bowls everywhere, but they just have a great culture. And Mike Vrabel should be given a ton of credit, you know, for the program that he's built down there. And so right now I've been saying it all week, the Colts are trying to out-tighten the Titans and take better care of the football, make less mistakes because that's what these games have come down to. It's just a team that makes the fewer mistakes, and Tennessee has been that team five straight times. Last one for me, and then I know Mark wants to ask you about the documentary that came out, the 20-year anniversary of that great Monday night game, the Colts, Manning and company coming back, coming all the way back against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, with all the Jonathan Taylor stuff and kind of the, you know, the, the physicality of the Titans and the rough loss by the Colts last week, a real chance to win. This week, we haven't talked too much about, A, Anthony Richardson finishing the game against the Rams, his brilliant play in the fourth quarter against the Rams, and kind of his growth and what you want to see from him on Sunday against Tennessee. So that's what I'm going to ask you. Just Anthony Richardson from last week to this week, what do you want to see from him? He hasn't been the focal point, obviously, the last couple days because of everything happening with JT. Well, you're right. In the second half last week, just spectacular. The, The plays that he made... Uh, in the pocket, out of the pocket, they were just marvelous. I mean, the the, the two point conversion play to Zach Moss. Uh, I mean, it's I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. I, I've never seen a Colts quarterback be able to make that play before. I mean, Aaron Donald gets past Will Fries and immediately is in the face of Anthony Richardson. It's like a game of Pac Man in, in the backfield <laughs> where he's just you know ducking and diving people and is going up and down in the pocket and gets out and and. You know, flicks the ball with just so much relative ease, seemingly, to Zach Moss on that two-point try. You know, that one play just kind of encapsulates, you know, who Jonathan Taylor is and all that he can do. And it was just good to see the, the big plays come back into this offense or emerge in this offense, I should say. They had three completions in the game over 30 yards, including uh, the Pierce play, the Mo Cox touchdown. I think that's big to have that within the offense because now teams know – that uh, you know, if, if you if you're not good within uh, Anthony Richardson keeping him in the well, if you will, uh, he can scramble out and and shuffle out and scan. He's got certainly the, the arm talent to, to make you pay down the field. That's why it's so big, I think, to have you know Jonathan Taylor back in the lineup either this week or or here hopefully soon because you know the the, the big playability is just so prevalent with those two guys in the backfield together. I mean Richardson, I mean he's every time he touches the ball, or I should say. The percentage of time that he touches the ball uh, when he's producing a big play is about 12% so far this year Mm. with either big plays in the passing game or big plays on the ground. And if you look at Taylor's career historically, you know, 17% of his career runs are going over 10 yards. So you factor those two things together, you know, that looks really, really good on paper. And how are you going to defend that? I mean, how many guys are you going to put in the box? If you over if you overload the box, that's going to open things up outside the numbers, which the Colts last week just proved they can take advantage of a little bit. So, you know, the second half last week was just again marvelous. You know, uh, Richardson's completions, you know, yards per completion last week were was over twenty. He had eleven completions for two hundred yards. I don't think I've ever seen anything <laughs> like it. But just the, the quick strike ability on those touchdown drives. Uh, were huge in the Colts' ability to come back. And you don't want to rely on that, but it's good to know you've got that if, if things go badly in the first half.
Voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, joining us for just another moment on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Matt, we had your colleague Lara Overton on earlier this week to discuss the upcoming Colts-Bucks documentary on the anniversary of that insane comeback on Monday Night Football. What memories do you have of that game? And correct me if I'm wrong, that premieres later today on the Colts website, correct? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember being a senior in high school. Nice. Uh, during I was a senior in high school. And Do you have a Letterman were, jacket? Did you ever own a Letterman jacket, Maytay? I had. I ran out of room on my Letterman jacket. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that's a that's a humble brag. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. <laughs> but you know, it was obviously this time of year. The weather's nice. You got baseball on, and I just remember that night. You know, my my dad, my dad and I, we would have this tradition. In October, we would we would go outside and we would watch baseball together. We would bring the TV outside. And that was back in the day of, like, you had to actually, like, lug the boob tube out and you had to have, like, the, the coax cable. Sure. Like it was a much much more, like, uh, arduous process than it is now. You know, you could just take an iPad or something outside. Um, but we watched the game. We watched the first half of the game. We were flipping back and forth between uh, that and then a baseball game in the playoffs. And, obviously, the game was uh, getting out of hand for the Colts. And I was just like a lot of people. You know, I had school the next day and – football practice and all that stuff and so I went to bed in, in the third quarter maybe and I woke up like everybody else and my dad's sitting there at the, at the breakfast table eating, <laughs> eating, eating cereal and he goes holy blank they won last night I go are you are you blanking me right now that's fantastic like everybody else and you know this is before social media and before cell phones and all that stuff so you know all of us at school we, we showed up in, in, the, in the school hallway before first period you know, pre-cal of Miss Toner, and we're sitting there going, <laughs> I cannot cal. believe the Colts just won that game, but that's exactly what happened. And, and so I'll never forget that, that you know, night and that next morning just being flabbergasted. Had to ask the teacher, can you wheel in the TV wheel, instead yeah. of the movie? Like, when, instead of watching Magic School Bus, can we watch the VHS of that comeback real quick? Oh, man, that's fantastic. Unbelievable. Yeah, it really is. Mate, 